Good evening, everyone, and welcome to RNFM Radio. We are so delighted that you're here. We're also delighted that Kevin Ross is back from vacation. You'll hear from him in a second. We had a great show last night. I held up the fort without Kevin, but it's always great to have my co-host here with me in the virtual studio. So RNFM Radio is up and running tonight. We have a great guest for you, a very interesting subject that we've never um, covered before. And we are very pleased to have her with us. And we'll tell you a little bit about our guest in just a few minutes. But Kevin, welcome back from vacation. And why don't you say hello to everyone out there in Radioland? Well, thank you, sir. I really appreciate that. Hey, Keith, am I am I echoing at all in the, on the no, show? No, you you sound right. perfect. I think you might be echoing. I'm not sure if you were picking up feedback on the other uh, FaceTime. If not, oh, <laughs> I just okay. Wanted, I just want right. to let you know. Um, Yes, no, I am back and rested, I think. Uh, I had a week away with the family. Uh, we ended up going to Park City, Utah, and then hanging out in Salt Lake, which it was quite pleasant seeing as Colorado, we're very high 90s to 100 degrees, although we without humidity. Uh, but it was a very restful time, and it sounded like Keith really did hold down the show uh, while I was gone. But, Keith, I have to say, I really did miss doing the show with you. Um, I felt like something was just missing from my Monday evening. So I'm glad to spend this uh, evening with you again uh, here tonight. So Thanks, it's a great way to sort of get back into work, so to speak, if that's what you want to call this, work. Um but yes, I I really appreciate uh, being back here, and I want to let everybody know that I believe Keith, you are on Tweet Chat, and so we're on Twitter hashtag RNFM Radio TweetChat.com forward slash Room forward slash RNFM Radio um, on Tweet Chat, and then also if you are not listening to us live, which I hope you are, but if you're not, you can catch the archive show of course at Blog Talk Radio uh, forward slash RNFM Radio. And then you can find us on iTunes, which I think a lot of our listeners are going to now. And all all you do is go to iTunes and then click on podcast. And then in the search box, just type all one word, no spaces, no dots or anything, RNFM Radio, all one word. And you can find us there. And you can also find us on promednetwork.com forward slash RNFM Radio. And don't forget our call-in number, and we love callers, by the way, 347 308 8064. Um, and then, oh, you know what, Keith? I just realized that uh, you had that slotted for what you wanted to say, and I took hey, that away from you, and I apologize. I'm, I'm so flexible, Kevin. No problem. Yeah. But let's um, make sure people know that they can call us anytime at 347 308 8064. And you can call with questions, comments, complaints, concerns, anything you'd like to call call us about. We love to hear from you. And you can also you can also give us questions or comments right in tweet chat or Twitter. Just put hashtag RNFM radio and we will make sure your questions and comments are aired. But we love to have people call in too if you'd like to talk with us. And before we move on, I just wanted to say that because Aurora, Colorado is on a lot of people's minds. It's also right in Kevin's backyard. Kevin lives up in the Boulder area. We just wanted to send our thoughts and prayers and our 
heartfelt condolences out to the community of Aurora, Colorado, and anyone anywhere who's been affected by the shooting that happened over the last, you know, several days ago. It was a very shocking event, another shocking event for the country, for the world, and we want everyone to know that you're on our minds, and there's a lot of positive energy out there going towards people up in the Aurora area. So, Kevin, did you want to make any comments about that? No, I really appreciate that, Keith. And, and he's right. Aurora is uh, basically a, a suburb outside of Denver, uh, which is not very far from where I am, probably about a 35-minute drive. And actually, I do some work down in Aurora. And so it is very close to home. And it's interesting because, I, you know, I wrote a post, and, and I won't talk about the post, but it was sort of that um, six degrees of separation kind of thing. And, and there's a, a lot of folks that I've either talked to or I know that know someone who was directly affected or know someone who knows someone. Um, and the outpouring of support has been tremendous. Uh, of course, not trying to get on a political piece here, but obviously uh, President Obama, uh, Barack Obama, was was here, uh, as he is often in the state, but uh, sp spending some time with the families and the victims uh, at the hospital and in the area to just provide some support. So, yes, uh, as Keith said, we are certainly thinking of you and, and the families out there um, who are just struggling with this. And, and of course, um, our hearts uh, go out to you and in this this time of uh, deep emotional need. And so we, we are thinking about you. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Kevin. Thanks. I just thought it was important for us to mention it since it really is in the top of many people's mind and consciousness right now. So uh, that said, would you like to chime in and give a little rundown of the guests we have for the next few weeks before I introduce our guest for this evening? Yeah, you bet. So we have, uh, let's see, July 30th, just around the corner next week, is Dr. Mary Foley of Safe in Common uh, discussing, and this, of course, discusses needle stick injury prevention. Um, and so we will have uh, Mary Foley on for that evening next Monday. And then for uh, August 6th, we have Jerome Stone, who's an RN and an author of Minding the Bedside. Now, Jerome, I don't know if you're listening tonight, but uh, Jerome is in my neck of the woods up here in the Boulder area. And I actually hope to be meeting with him uh, possibly this week. And uh, he also, it, it seems per what I have gleaned from our conversations, uh, has a very similar advocacy uh, approach in a, in a business that uh, he wants to actually discuss further with me um, about potentially you know, partnering and things like that. And I, I certainly want to know more about his business. And he and I will get a chance to meet. And then fortunately, maybe we can even bring that on the show and talk further about it. Um, not not our collaboration so much, but just what he's actually doing. So, Jerome, I look forward to seeing you and potentially having lunch with you. <laughs> Eight, <laughs> and uh, and on August thirteenth, uh, apparently we have a surprise guest. I don't even know who it's going to be. So, hmm. apparently Keith did something while I was away. He wrapped it up, and I can't open it until I don't know. I guess right before the show starts. I hopefully he'll tell me. But I'll, uh, I'll keep you on. I'll keep you on the edge of your seat for a couple of days. I appreciate that. And uh, who do we have on the 20th? Uh, Sue Bach, nurse and coach. Now, Keith, uh, what can you tell me about Sue? Well, Sue is a coach who is a registered nurse, mm -hmm. and she specializes in coaching women who are living with, recovering from, or 
working with having breast cancer. So she has a very interesting practice working with women with breast cancer or recovering. And she has a lot of interesting things to say as a survivor herself. So it should be a really great show, and I'm excited to have her on. That does sound good. Okay, good. Right. I love the guests that we have coming up. I love all the guests that we have on. And speaking of which, who do we have on this evening? Speaking of which, tonight we are delighted and very honored to have Lori Brown, legal nurse consultant. Lori graduated from Indiana University School of Nursing with a BSN in 1982. She then attended the University of California at Los Angeles School of Nursing, and she obtained a master's degree in nursing. She practiced nursing very actively for 12 years in various areas such as med surge, gynecology, urology, neurosurgery, ortho, general surgery, and even home health care. She then attended Indiana University School of Law and obtained her JD in 1990, eight years after becoming a nurse. After law school, she was employed at the Department of Insurance defending the interests of the Patients' Compensation Fund. And then for another six years, she defended physicians and hospitals in medical malpractice suits. She now focuses her practice on assisting plaintiff attorneys with medical issues in their cases. And because of her defense experience, she looks at cases with a very critical eye. And because of her relationship with hundreds of physicians throughout the state, she's able to locate expert witnesses in several different specialty areas. So we are very happy to have Lori on the show. So Lori, welcome to RNFM Radio. Thanks so much. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, Keith. You bet. I appreciate being here. Oh, we well, appreciate you being here. Exactly, exactly. Um, so I guess, uh, you know, Keith really touched a little bit on your clinical experience, but would you like to elaborate further on that clinical experience uh, prior to you becoming an attorney? Sure. Um, I um, worked in various clinical settings. I at my master's degree, I, it was a double degree in both clinical nurse specialist in medical surgical nursing and in nursing administration. So um, I became a unit manager of a medical surgical unit in California, and then I moved back to Indianapolis and became a unit manager here as well. Um, and then when I went to law school, um, I had 24-hour responsibility over my nursing unit, and I worked from 7 to 3.30, uh, went to school from 5.30 to 7.30, and then did homework, went to bed and did it all over again. And Friday night, uh, one Friday night after having a week of, of you know, 20-hour days <laughs> per se, and I got called into work, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can't do this anymore. So I went PRN, and that's how I got all that experience in virtually almost every area of nursing. Um, which has helped me greatly as a legal nurse consultant. Wow. Boy, you, wow. you were really burning the candle at both ends, I'll tell you, 20 hours a day. Keith, I bet you, <laughs> you can chime in about some self-care on that one. Well, yeah, and I, I think that's burning the candle at three ends, actually. I think that would <laughs> that would constitute that. So, Lori, that is incredible experience you had over that period of time. And what was really the the kernel of the idea that made you go from being a nurse to a nurse attorney? What ter- what turned you in that career direction? Well, I um, 
never had planned to be an attorney, but I got divorced, and I had a really good divorce attorney, and it was like sort of like, I can do this. Um, I always thought I'd further my education and maybe get a Ph.D. or a doctorate in nursing, and I thought, what am I going to do with that? And with law, it affords me so many opportunities. And so it's just kind of a midlife crisis thing. Um, oh. But actually, the other funny thing I wanted to mention was that when I became an attorney, you would think that as a nurse attorney, you'd make more than you did as a nurse. Well, I worked for the state, and they didn't pay well, so I wound up continuing nursing, doing home health care for a couple of years after. Hmm. Wow, interesting. So you had to uh, you had to supplement the beginning of your legal career with nursing at that point? Yes, yeah. Okay, okay. Right, right. Well, so I guess if we're going to talk about, you know, you know the money aspect of it, the financial aspect. Because of course, my my sister-in-law, she's an attorney, and for years she was actually a, a public defender, and of course um, did a lot of great work, a lot of advocacy in, in helping people in need. And of course, there's not a ton of money in that. So I guess you got to have inspiration from somewhere. What inspires you uh, to help other nurses? Um, well, the process is the same, being a nurse as well as an attorney. Uh, the nursing process is assess, plan, intervene, and evaluate. And mm-hmm. when a, when you have a patient, you know, they don't come with a sign on their head, you know, I'm having septic shock or um, I'm in a hypertensive crisis or whatever's going on with them. You, you have to assess, plan, intervene, and evaluate. And the same is for law. Somebody doesn't come to your office and say, um, oh, I have a contract matter, I have a tort matter, I have an employment law matter. It's the same process. You assess, plan, intervene, and evaluate. So they're very similar, and I like helping people, whether it's patients or other nurses or actually the attorneys with the the legal nurse consulting. Um, Any way I can help, I I enjoy that. Hmm. Well, I love that that use of the nursing process for the legal process because I like to talk with nurses about self-care in my coaching practice and I actually use the the ADPI assessment diagnosis etc cetera, etc cetera, when talking about almost any subject so it really works perfectly well for almost anywhere where you need to critically analyze and assess and evaluate a situation it does it does that's wonderful so there's several aspects of your career we'd like to talk to you about. One is your work with nurses specifically, and we'd like to talk about some legal issues vis-a-vis nursing and liability, et cetera, if you don't mind us picking your legal brain. But sure. then we'd also, we'd also like to talk about your work as a legal nurse consultant, what it's like, and how you coach and help other nurses look at that as a potential career. So first I want to tell our listeners that if you have a question for Lori, please feel free to call at 347-308-8064. That's 347-308-8064. Or on Twitter, hashtag RNFMRadio, send us a question, and we will pose it to Lori right away or as quickly as we can. So, Lori, in looking over your LinkedIn profile and your various websites, all of which were very interesting, I noticed EmpoweredNurses.org, and I also noticed the Nurses Protection Association. Do you want to touch a little bit on that aspect of your career as an attorney and a nurse? Sure. I um, When I was in nursing, like probably when I first started out, I was 20 years old. I moved across the country to Los Angeles, 
and um, I was working on a med surge floor, and a patient coded. And the experienced nurses were handling the code, and then they said to me, um, go down to Central Supply and, and get this equipment that we need. Um, so I'm like, sure. And I was watching the other patients on the floor, and I called Central Supply, and they said, oh, well, sorry, we don't deliver. And I'm like, this man is dying, and you're telling me you don't deliver? Well, oh, boy. Was, yeah. <laughs> it's not like it's takeout, you know? Um, right. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're outside of our service area. That'll be an right. upcharge. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. We're, you're on the fourth floor. We only delivered to the third. <laughs> um, right. I was just floored that they would um that they would say that and evidently other everybody else in the hospital knew that but me. And you know, as a new nurse I was really upset about this patient coding. I was watching everybody else and I didn't know how I was gonna get this equipment to them. So evidently I wasn't so nice about it and I wasn't very diplomatic and I got written up when here I was being a patient advocate and trying to do what's in the best interest of the patient. Um, and I realized that there were a lot of situations in my career like that where nurses huh. um, will put up with something um, and just allow that status quo instead of being a change agent because they're afraid. They're afraid they could get in trouble. They're afraid they're going to get written up. They're afraid they're going to, um, you know, be reported to the board. Um, and jobs these days are a lot you know, it's not like when when I graduated and went had seven interviews and seven job offers. Um, it's a lot harder these days. Um, but I think as healthcare is changing and um, uh, the uh, the um, Affordable Care Act is coming into play, nurses really need to stand in their power and make improvements to healthcare because we know the answers. We know how to deliver efficient care that's going to um, improve patient outcomes. But the problem is we're either afraid to speak up or, or people don't listen. So I want to – my uh, mission is to empower nurses by teaching them how to stand up, say what they feel, make positive changes in healthcare, without getting in trouble. Well, and so the empowerment piece, what two or three things, you know, must nurses know to protect their license? What are you telling them? Well, there – there's a lot of things that nurses don't know on how to protect their license. Um, for example, in Indiana, um, when you renew your license, there's a question on the renewal form that says, um, in the past two years, have you ever been disciplined or terminated in your capacity as a healthcare professional? Now, that's broad and wide open. And to my surprise, representing a client, she was um, charged one of the charges on her license was for failing to report that she was disciplined for attendance. And it was like, my argument was that's not in the scope of practice of a nurse. And they're like, yes, it is. It could constitute patient abandonment if they're not here. Um, So there's a lot of laws like that that nurses don't know. So it's not Um, really clear cut and, and somewhat vague. Uh, right. leaves some room for interpretation, it seems. Right. And my mission is to teach them all these laws to protect them, but yet give them the tools on how to stand and speak in their power as well. Hmm. Hmm. Well, 
Thank you for that. And and is the Nurses Protection Association or EmpoweredNurses.org active in that process? It is. Um, if you join Nurse Protection Association, and it will soon be moved over to Empowered Nurses, it'll just point over there, and it will be the same benefits. Um, my goal is to teach the nurses everything they need to know to protect their license, and if they have a pl- problem, if they're in Indiana, they'll get representation for free. It's like a prepaid legal. Um, but if you have a pre-existing problem, um, you know, that wouldn't count, but if you have a problem in the future. But any it's like having an attorney on call. Anytime you have a question, problem, whatever you can you can ask me. And out of state you're welcome to do the same. Um I don't practice law in other states except in Indiana. So mm-hmm. it would be for educational purposes but can't be construed as legal advice. Right. Well thank you. That's nurseprotectionassociation.com for those of you who are interested in checking out that site. So thank you for that uh, that information. So that will be migrating over to empowerednurses.org shortly? Uh-huh, it will be. We just picked okay. out our, our banner and stuff and working on the site right now. Great, great. Well, let us know when you get it launched and we'll certainly uh, promote it. We will. I appreciate that. Thank you. Sure, sure. of course. Yeah. Of course. It's- so, Kevin, you had a question about investigations. Can you uh, ah, yes. talk about that with Lori here? Yeah, so, Lori, I have I have a few questions. that I, we'll, we'll just start with this first one. Is what level of transparency kind of needs to occur during an investigation? So, for example, let's say that an RN is terminated from one facility and is seeking employment somewhere else. Or let's say that an RN might be a travel nurse or someone like myself who is self-employed and I have multiple contracts with with several agencies or organizations and um, there's – let's say there's an investigation occurring. What do I need to tell uh, sort of clients that I'm partnering with or either future employers when it comes to that investigation? I mean how transparent do I need to be and when do they need to know certain things? What do you advise the nurses that you're helping? Um, What I suggest is that on your application, you have to disclose you've been, if the question says, have you been terminated from a position or why did you leave, you've got to answer truthfully that you have. But then right in there that when they ask what was the reason for it, I usually suggest don't give a reason. I suggest that you put, we'll discuss in an interview. Um, And in Indiana, on your renewal license, it asks you a question, have you, like I mentioned before, have you been disciplined or terminated in the past two years? And what would happen is if you don't check that box that you've been terminated on the application for the new job and you don't check that box on the license renewal, if they find out that that had not been disclosed, that's called material misrepresentation in obtaining a license. It's actually fraud. So it's really important that you do... Um, put put on there that you've been terminated and be truthful. And then when um, asked in an interview what happened, um, you know, um, it, it, it's something you have to talk about on a case-by-case basis. I suggest, uh, if necessary, to get an attorney to help you phrase it in the, the light most favorable to you. Um, and that's another thing I'd like to mention is if you've been if you're going to be investigated by the state for your license, 
get an attorney. Don't try and do it yourself. I come in. I play cleanup way too much in this area when mm. I could have protected the the nurse up front. Because I'm sure you wanna, that's true. Yeah, you want to make sure that, that what the information that you give them is in the light most favorable to you without being defensive and but taking responsibility for it. Yet show all the mitigating factors as well. Mm. Right. And I've I've certainly, when I coach and, and help new nurses who are getting jobs or even nurses who are seasoned when they're filling out their uh, resumes and their applications, to, to be very uh, open and honest about their history because even uh, whether it's in healthcare or not, I've, I've heard of situations where someone was uh, terminated even years later because there was a discrepancy on an application that I don't know, in some way it was discovered even five or six, seven years down the road. So, um, but I just, I, there was, there were some things that we were discussing on an issue a few months back with, with a nurse. And it was interesting to kind of talk about how transparent you need to be with your current employer as the investigation is going on. Let's say you, like I said, you went to another hospital. Of course, yeah, as you, as you stated, it is on a case by case basis. Um, and what you need to basically tell that employer and how much they really need to know. So, um, like I said, I guess that's good advice just to basically on a case-by-case basis. Have you ever had a, uh, have someone refer or defer to you to to explain all of this to like a potential uh, like a human resources manager or hiring manager or anything like that? Um, for my nurses that are on probation, mm-hmm. sometimes um, I'll write them like a generic letter about what happened, and then they can give that to any potential employer. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that helps them as well. Right. Great. Great. And now I have a question for you, Lori. In terms of nurses who are covered by an employer's liability policy, you know, if you work for a large healthcare organization, or actually even a relatively small one, there's usually a company liability policy under which you are covered for the patient care you provide while working for that company. Do you recommend for nurses to have their own supplemental individual liability coverage? I mean, I know I always have, but what's your recommendation? Oh, I get that question all the time. Um, In Indiana, we have a special patient's compensation fund. And if there are pros and cons to having your own insurance. Um, in Indiana, we have this fund, and you have to voluntarily be part of this fund. And most nurses don't know about the fund. So they have their own policy um, that's not qualified under the fund. So as an attorney, I'm looking for more pockets, and so I would want to name um, the nurse individually. So sometimes having your own policy can cause the nurse to be named individually, um, especially here. But the the pro is that if you are um, have your own policy, whether you're named or not, you have the right to your own attorney. So sometimes your interests are different from the hospital's interests. And if you have your own policy, then you have an attorney who's only there for you who has your interests at heart. Interesting. So... What you're saying basically is that having your own policy could actually invite additional action against you. 
However, it also provides you with legal representation that is really solely for you and not being filtered through the needs or the desires of the of the facility. Right. And one thing that um, some um, insurance policies have, in particular NSO, is they have what's called a disciplinary defense policy. So most insurance companies only cover malpractice, and your hospital is only going to cover you for malpractice. But NSO, in particular, covers you if you get in trouble by the board. They will pay hmm. for your for your attorney or reimburse you actually for the cost of your attorney. So that's a really good benefit. Well, that's excellent to know because I've been a member of Nurses Services Organization for about ten years now. So thank you for letting me know my coverage. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So I obviously thing, hadn't read my policy well. Uh, well, and another thing about to look at at the policy is most of the time it's called excess coverage, which means your policy doesn't come into play until the hospital's exhausted their policy. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah, in Indiana, it's a cap state, so the most they can get um, for any malpractice is a million two fifty. So really, mm-hmm. there wouldn't be a situation where the nurses' policy would kick in, but you still have, um, you know, the disciplinary defense as well as the right to an attorney. Okay. Okay. Well, and speaking of um, NSO which uh, I've been sending them my checks to cover me uh, as an entrepreneur. What, you know, we're talking about various policies here and not to mention various roles that nurses are taking on now, uh, especially as we are becoming more prevalent in the space of, of being an independent contractor and entrepreneurs. And we're not necessarily working in traditional roles. Now, I, I do remain within my scope of practice, but we have nurses that are in the fitness industry. We have uh, Lori Radcliffe, who's um, an advocate for certified fitness nurse, and, and there are nurses out there providing um, services in that industry, not necessarily working in gyms, but they have their own practices, working with uh, individuals with comorbidities and a little bit more fragile. And then we also have nurses that are selling supplements and topicals. We have coaches out there, uh, such as myself and Keith. I mean, Keith does uh, self-care. And then, of course, uh, we also provide uh, – well, we provide different uh, you know, coaching services as well. For myself, like sometimes it's business consulting, but that's a little bit different. And then we even have social media consultants out there. And so what do we look for in a policy? I mean, because – when I started out as an entrepreneur five years ago, I was trying to find someone who would even cover me as a business owner, get the general liability, and then of course my cover my license, and you know as you were stating to protect me or at least help me with the board if anything comes up. So I don't know. Can you give us some direction there, or can you give us some ideas of what we need to be looking for as entrepreneurs? Um, there is um, business insurance, um, directors and officer insurance, errors and emission type insurance. Um, it's readily available. Um, I think it's Marsh and Seabury or Seabury and Marsh covers a lot of nurses for the, who are outside of the normal scope of, of practice. Um, but one thing that you can also do if you're concerned, a, a couple things. One is um, protect yourself with an entity like um my law firm's a corporation, so right. if there's an action, it'll be against the corporation. They can't go against me personally. So if you incorporate or have an LLC or whatever, that could help you. 
And two is there's a type of insurance that you can get um, called um, an umbrella policy. Um, if it, It's attached to your homeowners or your auto insurance, and it gives you extra coverage for both homeowner and auto. Um, and sometimes some of that practice can be covered under homeowners if you're operating out of your own home. Hmm. I I like that because um, I do a very similar thing of what you were saying. Well, and I used to go – I used to be insured by Marsh for – they were the only ones I could find who, who really kind of fit the niche that I was in at the time uh, and, of course, transferred over to NSO. But having the umbrella policy, and of course, I'm all of my businesses are incorporated. So you know, you're right. I, that's what I tell other nurses when we're, when I'm coaching them to discuss how they're going to organize legally, as, you know, LLC or incorporated. Uh, but certainly try to set themselves apart, uh, keep the personal personal and the business business, um, and work under sort of that that umbrella. But but yes, I I also have the umbrella policy uh, with my personal insurance company, not to mention some other insurances that I have through NSO with general liability. If I trip and break somebody's computer or something like that um, or set something on fire, I, not that I would. I hope I don't think people would think I would do that. But Kevin, uh, don't, anyway. don't do that. No, no, <laughs> I won't. But, but I, I do find myself in other um, agencies or organizations, their offices, and that was one of my concerns is what if I tripped over something or if I accidentally broke something or, I don't know, helped somebody with a computer question and all of a sudden they downloaded a virus or something. I don't know. Uh, these were just things that I thought about. And so I added these coverages onto my license uh, to protect my license and also my business. Yeah, you, you know, you can't protect yourself too much. You are correct. Um, Quote you and, on that, Lori? <laughs> yeah. um, well, you know, what was interesting, and Keith, I hope it's okay. I just wanted to ask Lori this. You know, if you're, if you're familiar with the NSO, um, I remember – so they, ask, they asked me about an add-on, um, and it's like $25, which, again, is a drop in the bucket to protect yourself. But it's interesting – um, it's an add-on for non-nursing or non-medical-related roles, and they and they give examples as medical administration, training, legal consultation, speaking at seminars, and teaching or acting as an ex- expert witness. Now, is that really a a viable add-on? I mean, it, like I said, it's only twenty-five dollars, but is that is that just an upsell, or would our normal policy cover us? Because a lot of us, again, are not in fairly non-traditional roles, and, and we're doing a lot of these things that they mention as an example. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not familiar with that. I do know in Indiana, at least, um, there's a statute that pro- that, it, that gives immunity to anybody acting as an expert witness, and I know other states have similar laws. So I would check into to that state because it may not be necessary, especially in that particular role. Okay, okay. Well, that's like I said. I think you answered those uh, questions, and, and certainly, if anybody uh, has any questions, uh, certainly don't hesitate. Again, three four seven three zero eight eight zero six four. Please feel free to call in with questions or comments. Oh, thank, 
All right. Thanks. Thanks for saying that, Kevin. And tweet chat is very quiet tonight. But if anyone has anything to say, it's hashtag RNFM Radio on tweet, Twitter, or tweet chat to let us know you have questions for Lori. And these seem like very important issues that most nurses should really be much more educated about, including myself as a nurse and a coach. Uh, so this is something that I'd like to give more thought to. But Lori, in the second half of our interview. We'd like to turn a little bit more towards your work as a legal nurse consultant in your work as a, I don't know if you work also as an expert witness, but we'd like to talk to you about what you do and what happens in your practice as a legal nurse consultant. So can you give us a little picture to start off with of what that career is like and what your actual day-to-day is like in that uh, professional uh, role? Sure, I'd be happy to. Thank you. Great. Well, I was a partner in a law firm doing medical malpractice defense throughout the state of Indiana um, for six years. And the insurance company that I represented went under. They went out of business. And I thought my partners would stick by me, and, uh, and they didn't. And I was pregnant with my second child and found myself without a job. So I always joke that I went to all the, the attorneys that I paid money to when I was doing defense work, all the plaintiff's attorneys, and told them to hire me to consult on their cases. So I have developed a legal nurse consulting practice where I now have an office in my home that has an outside entrance, and I assist attorneys throughout the country on medical issues in their cases, and I only assist plaintiff's attorneys. So what will happen will be um, attorney will give me a case and say, um, this, pay, this person went to their office and, and they were concerned that there may have been malpractice and this is what happened as a result of it. So I will look at the, the medical records and determine if there's merit to the case. And then if there's merit to the case, then I help do medical research to support my opinions and find an expert who will support their case. And I have been doing that now for 13 years because that's how old my son is. <laughs> And I um, have developed a very successful consulting practice. Um, I had eight legal nurse consultants working for me. And, again, I assist attorneys throughout the country. In fact, I'm going Saturday to the American Association of Justice, which is the largest um, association of trial lawyers in the country, to their conference in Chicago. Um, But anyways, so because I have developed this business, when I started out doing the consulting, there was I went to every book that I could find on marketing. And nothing really kind of fit the bill because nurses are caregivers. We're not business people. And to try and develop a business of asking attorneys for, for me to look at their confidential medical records was a little difficult, even though I am an attorney. Um, so because I was able to figure out the I call it the formula to get cases. Um, I have I started coaching other legal nurse consultants on growing their business, and as a result, I wound up writing a book called The Legal Nurse Consultant's Workbook: Turning Your Nursing Knowledge into a Successful Consulting Practice. Mm-hmm. And I also developed a product, which is called the Get More Cases Home Study System, for legal nurse consultants, life care planners, and nurse experts to grow their business. 
Wow, excellent. So you've actually developed several aspects of your of your career in terms of coaching other legal nurse consultants, working with attorneys uh, when they need a nurse with medical uh, with the medical background that you have to help them with their cases, and also you are offering services to nurses who need more education or representation around their own practices and liabilities. So that's an amazing array of services that you've you've carved out for yourself in this in a very multifaceted career. Well thank you. I I just am passionate about helping people, whether it's nurses, um legal nurse consultants, attorneys, whoever. It's it all goes back to the, the same thing, that, that caregiver assessment plan intervention evaluation approach. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And how many legal nurse consultants are there out there? Do you have a, a bead on how many nurses are working in this role and how that that segment of the nursing population is growing or shrinking or developing over time? According to the American Association of Legal Nurse Consultants, there's about 2,400 members. That's just members in this one organization. So I really um, don't know how many are out there. I know it's growing. It's um, definitely growing um, rapidly. More and more schools to educate nurses on becoming legal nurse consultants are are out there. Um, But I don't know too many people who are... I mean, what happens is people go to school, they pay a lot of money to learn how to become a legal nurse consultant, which is something we already know. We have the nursing skills to be able to say, you know, to to say what we think happened in the case. Um, but what we don't have is the business skills. Right. Well, and that's that's interesting uh, as you, you talk about the skills. I mean, so what are you telling these nurses, how do they become a legal nurse consultant? I mean, you're right. There are programs out there, uh, home study, or um, there are several, or at least a couple of big programs out there that people can go to for, what is it, like a few days or up to a week or maybe even a couple of weeks or something like that. Um, what are you telling them? How, how do you become a legal nurse consultant if, if you're not going that route? Because we do have those skills. Right. Um, and actually, when I um, started doing this 13 years ago, I don't think there were any programs out there. I think it was just – and um, I actually did this in law school a little bit as well. That was more than 20 years ago, um, and there was really nothing out there. Um, but if you have the desire to become a legal nurse consultant, remember, you know, in nursing, it's so fast-paced. You know, things – you you got a ton of patients on your um, – plate and you've got all these patients you have all these tasks to do for them um it's conditions can change in a second and with legal nurse consultant consulting it's a much slower pace you know it takes forever for the attorneys to get the case or to get the cases to you and it's it's just attorney time and hospital time is not the same so it's for somebody who's got some patience, um, somebody who likes, I always joke, I'm always knee-deep in records, somebody who likes to look at these medical records with a fine-tooth comb to figure out um, what happened in the case. It's, it's like solving a puzzle. Uh, somebody who likes to work alone because it's kind of a lonely job. You know, I sit here and look at records all day. Um, mm. So it's for somebody, you know, who who has that, who's very detail-oriented, and likes to just pick apart a medical record and put all the pieces together. 
Yeah. Um, so it's, it's not for everybody. You know, some people are, are much more active and they, they're more social than to sit there by themselves and review a case. Right. So it, it sounds like we need a nurse with OCD rather than ADD. Would you say that's probably correct? Yeah, <laughs> that's a good example. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Well, you know, it's it's interesting, uh, Lori, that you know you t- we talk about, or you had mentioned about having the skills or the, you know the knowledge to to do something like this. I've never marketed myself as a legal nurse consultant, and I don't really have what I would say like that's not my business. But I have helped. I have actually helped with a few cases because I do a ton of chart reviews anyway in my patient advocacy business. So I'm really good at putting those pieces together. And it was interesting. I just tripped into it. Someone had asked me a question about a diagnosis or medication, and then it just kind of organically grew from there and then on and on and on. And I found certain holes and I thought, hmm, that's interesting. I actually did some legal nurse consulting and I helped with a case. And so I've I've helped on a few others uh, in my time, but it is interesting how there's all of these programs and certifications, and you know what do we need, what don't we need? Um, I just I was just a nurse. I provided my clinical input because I do that every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Lori, Lori, do do legal nurse consultants need a specific certification? Is there a certifying body that? controls or administers that that segment of the population and the um the profession there is no national certification um each place has their own certification or you can be certified by the AALNC which is the American Association of Legal Nurse Consultants um but again attorneys who hire you they don't know the difference between like um, a CLNC or AALNCC, these are, those are all certification designations depending on where you got your training or your certification. And they don't know the difference, and they don't even know what certification is. They're just excited to have a nurse who can help them understand the medicine in the case. Right, who can read this chicken scratch, or what is this really long word that I have no idea where it came from? Is that even a word? Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. And like these... these um. Attorneys, they've never seen a Foley catheter or an IV or a PCA pump or, um, or a PIC line or, you know, any of the things that we take for granted because we see them every day. And so when we read a case, we can actually picture in our mind what's going on with the patient, whereas, um, most, uh, whereas most attorneys can't unless they've had, you know, experience with that. So the American Association of Legal Nurse Consultants doesn't necessarily control, quote-unquote, certification of legal nurse consultants in the country, but they're one of the bodies that someone can turn to for educational resources or a certification process? Right, right. Hmm, interesting. Okay. Now, I had another question. Are there physicians who work specifically as some sort of legal medical consultant, or do physicians serve more as expert witnesses in in specific cases? They do both. They do both. Um, Of course, I'm biased. I think nurses are better at it because, um, you know, when you're an orthopod, you only tend to see the the musculoskeletal system, whereas nurses, you know, we, we take the whole picture, the whole patient in mind. 
So I'm a little biased you, myself. I agree with that. <laughs> say I'm biased as well. So we have three biased people here in favor of nurses. So there you go. Yeah, if you have and another we, angle, please call in. What's the, I'm sorry, what did you say, Lori? We, we also cost less than a doctor. And so why pay a high-priced physician when you can have a nurse look at it? And actually what I tell my clients is, you know, have me look at it, uh, and then I will um, give you everything you need to expedite the review with the doctor so it costs less. Mm. Right. That's an excellent selling point when someone's really working on an expensive, long, drawn-out case when they want to make everything as obviously as cost-effective as possible. So a legal nurse consultant generally does cost less than a medical consultant then. Definitely. I wanted to chime in really quickly, though. What is the relationship with that role and someone who is, um, hopefully I don't mess this up, but like say a life care planner, so somebody is injured and then you have to have, then a nurse comes in and basically helps decide or gives their input on what this individual is going to need for the rest of their lives. Is there um, some straddle there of the roles or not so much? Um, some attorneys do, or some um, nurses do both. They do life care planning as well as legal nurse consulting, but the school of thoughts are very different for both. The legal nurse consultant is going to review the case to see if there's merit in the first place and help work it up um, for either trial or settlement. And the life care planner is going to work it up in terms of the damage part of it. Um, What damages are attributable um, to the malpractice for his future medical care? Okay. Well, and I realize that those were two separate roles. However, I have seen some commingling there of these roles in some you know, areas that, uh, you know, for instance, my mother, uh, I don't, I hope, I don't think she'll mind if I talk about her, but she was actually involved in, in a situation where, um, that, uh, she sustained injury and they, they had a a nurse consultant or a legal nurse consultant. And then I think this consultant also sort of straddled that life care planning for her as well, like what she was going to need for the rest of her life. So, But I know that that wasn't necessarily a traditional path, and I didn't want to put those two together and give respect to both professions, but just kind of thought I would ask that. Hmm. Anyway, let's see. Um, Keith, did you have oh, another I think- question? Oh. I think we lost Lori there for a second, Kevin. Um, do you oh. want to – let's bring her back on. Uh, let's see. Oh, Hey, Lori, are you there? I'm back, yeah. Oh, Lori, you ducked out on us. I mean, <laughs> if you needed a break, we could have gone to some you know quick intermission or something here. We could have taken a break. <laughs> anyway. That's so, Lori, did, did you catch that last question and comment by Kevin? We're not sure I where heard- you where you dropped. I heard um, part of it that your mother was injured and that yes, was about my, it. Yeah, no. So my mother was injured, and um, the the consultant that was involved in in reviewing the charts and giving the attorneys what they needed from a medical uh, piece, you know, the legal nurse consultant, she was involved. But I believe also she had 
some involvement in the life care planning process as well. And again, I didn't want to put those two together as far as I, I want to give all due respect to those two different professions, but I have heard of nurses putting those together. And I, like I said, I just didn't know if you had heard of that as well. Um, and then just sort of kind of defining the differences, which you did. And I think that's what I wanted our listeners to know, that there is a difference between the two. I hope your mother's okay. She's fine. She's she's okay. she's actually, she moved from Virginia out here to Colorado to be with the grandkids. So she's okay. That's good. Right. So, Lori, I wanted to ask you a question. Back at the beginning of the interview, you were talking about working 20-hour days um, as a nurse during your years of practicing in, in the clinical arena. So what is it like now as a legal nurse consultant and all the things that you do, which are also interesting and also sound time-consuming? So how many hours do you work a day or a week, and what are your typical days like? I know you spend a lot of time poring over charts, but do you want to give us a little rundown on, on those questions? Um, sure. I have three kids. I'm a single mom, so my kids are first. <laughs> and I work from home, and I, I feel like I have the best job in the world because um, I, you know, I can schedule and, and do things as I want. And I also have um, several legal nurse consultants that work for me, so they do most of the heavy lifting in terms of the reviews, and I just re-review it. Um, I go out and get the business and market. I I do represent all the nurses before the board myself, um, and the board only meets every other week, so it's it's not like um, you know I'm there every day. So yeah, I get up in the morning, I, I go exercise, I come back, I start working on my cases, and um, go pick up the kids about five or six. So it's a much much less hectic than than being a trial attorney in a law firm, and much less hectic when. Um, I worked as a um, as a nurse and was in law school. Um, mm. I have a lot more freedom and a lot more f- flexibility, and actually, I make a lot more money now. Wow! Who could argue with that? That's, yeah, isn't that right. what people? Isn't that the dream? I guess that's what we all strive for. Um, mm. To to I guess have all of that, and it is interesting. You know, I know for me, Lori, I have three children myself. And I do. I have a home office. I also I, I also work out of the home as well, uh, because so, doing it for a few years it gets it for me personally it, we- it wears on you to kind of try to separate your home and your office or your business. But um, what I've really enjoyed is even if I have a long day, I I have the ability to break it up. Such as I worked uh, since very early this morning. And, of course, I'm here on the show with, with you and Keith tonight and all of our listeners. But it's it was nice because I got to hang out on the front porch and watch the storm roll in and feel the breeze and hang out with my wife, uh, who's actually home right now. Uh, she's in between jobs, so she was actually home not working right now. And so it was just, I don't know, really nice for us to sit out there and talk for a little while before the show started. And, and I like that flexibility that even though I might have a long day, I can kind of drop what I'm doing and go pick up the kids from school, hang out with them, play. Uh, they're always asking me to play the Wii or do something or play baseball or whatever, and I can do those things. And it's it's mm-hmm. really enjoyable to have that right. balance. Yeah, I, I go on field trips with my kids, and 
you know, they're they're my priority, and um, you can have it all, and, and there are ways to do that. I think that's what nurses uh, really do want to hear, is that there are people out there that are really do that we are actually doing this. We are doing mm-hmm. it. That's so, right. In fact, yeah, that's why I, I developed the Get More Cases home study system, to teach nurses how to do exactly what I do. I've, I've given them all my secrets. <laughs> um, mm. And... My website, for anybody who's interested, is lncmentor, M-E-N-T-O-R, dot com, lnc, like legal nurse consultant, mentor, dot com. And I have a um, newsletter that goes out. It's called LNC Mentor Marketing Secrets. I get that out weekly. And I also am working on, which should be a new website for that as well, but I'm also working on um, a free 50 ways to get in the door of potential clients, of free report, potential attorney clients. Hmm. That's wonderful. So that I just looked it up just now, and that is lncmentor.com. So that's a yet another website of yours, Lori. I am so impressed. <laughs> <laughs> I keep getting my GoDaddy bills. <laughs> that's great, I'm sure. Now, are you on Facebook and Twitter? Do you have these linked sort of through all the social media right now? I know you're on I, LinkedIn. Yes, I have. Um, Facebook is um, facebook.com slash lncmentor. Okay. And you can, can friend me or follow me on that. Okay. And then Twitter, I just started actually yesterday. It's kind of funny that you have this Twitter chat going on and I was like hurrying up trying to figure out what this is. <laughs> and um, it's... I'm at Twitter.com. It's Lori A. Brown. Okay. I'm actually going to like your page on Facebook, and you are on Twitter at Lori A. Brown. Mm-hmm. And that's Lori, L-O-R-I-E, right? Right. Okay. Right. With lots of vowels in a row. Right, I-E-A. right. Okay, so it's lncmentor.com. So I'm sorry I wasn't putting your Twitter handle on all of my tweets today on the tweet chat because I wasn't aware that you were on Twitter. So my apologies that they're not they're not there, but they're all on the RNFM radio tweet uh, chat, so you could find them there. Um, but anything else that I tweet about you will definitely have your Twitter handle on it. So uh, we'd Thank like you. to really support people. And we're hoping at some point we'll have some articles by you or blog posts that we can link to, or if you'd like to write fresh content for us in all your spare time for our RNFM Radio blog at rnfmradio.com, we'd love to do that too, because we'd love to get the word out about all the many, many things that you do and that you offer nurses and attorneys and everyone else working in the healthcare industry. So uh, we would love to get the word out about that. So and I know you mentioned you have three children. One of your sons is 13 years old since right. I guess he's as old as your attorney career is, I assume. Um, now, how has being an entrepreneur, you know, a solo business person working at home, how has that affected your family life in general? I know you said that you have it all. What are some of the specifics of how it affects your family life? of what are the benefits and are there any detracting factors from being a self-employed person? Well, um, well, first of all, I've been an attorney for 20, almost 22 years. Gosh. Um, and so my, but I practiced for 
four or eight years before I started this business. Um, so I know how old my legal nurse consulting business is because my son's 13, but the rest of it is. <laughs> um, Thank you I've, for clearing that up. <laughs> I have a 15-year-old son and an 8-year-old daughter. And, okay, so the benefits are I am home every day when they come home from school, which which is great. Um, I have a secretary that I that works here as well. Um, so if I'm not here, she's here. And so there's always somebody here for them. Um, and again, I can go to their, um, field trips or have meetings at school or whatever I need to do. I go to all their, um, my son was in cross country or, and before that he, he did football and wrestling. And, you know, I have that freedom to do that, to go to a four o'clock meet or whatever time it is. Um, the drawbacks are, Sometimes when I have a client over and my daughter comes in, Mommy, Mommy, I need something. Um, it's not the most professional, but, you know, I tend to attract clients who are in the same, who have children too, and they understand. In fact, many of them have brought their, their kids to my office or their husbands or whatever, just family, family-oriented business. Um, and so some of the only other drawback would be... Um, in terms of the self-care, my office is down a hall um, past the garage, so it's kind of in a separate part of the house, but it's still in the house, and if I don't get something done, um, sometimes I'll be up late working on it. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, I'm, it's it's been great. I, um, I was really, I thought my life was over when I lost my job at the law firm, but um, really, it was a blessing in disguise. So so I always tell my nurses who've had trouble at work, you know, just there's something better out there for you. Just keep looking for it because it's there. Mm-hmm. Right. And what motivates you in your work? What motivates you to keep going in terms of working with nurses and also doing the legal nurse consulting? What's kind of like the underlying drive that, that feeds your spirit in your work? I, I love having a good result for people, um, no matter what it is. Um, and I like helping people through a difficult time. So the nurses that I represent before the licensing board, you know, I'm their rock that they can, you know, lean on, you know, through this difficult time. And then for the legal nurse consulting, the mentoring program, you know, how great is it that you can help somebody else be successful? Mm-hmm. Um that's great. That's really, that's wonderful. So it, to me, personally, it sounds like you're a nurse who got plenty of clinical experience, had a good experience, but worked a lot of hours, and now you've created a life for yourself where you do work that you love, you're home with your kids, you can do what you want to do from a day-to-day, uh, on a day-to-day basis. For the most part, I'm sure you have days that are worse than others and busier than others. And you have a multiple streams of income in ways that you create income for your family as a single mother, and a lot of those streams of income have become very successful. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I feel like it's the best job in the world. I, I always joke that I have a really mean boss. <laughs> yes, I'm well... The, I'm the hardest on myself. I, I'm very, very... Um, you know, I want to get things done. I want to get it done right. So, well, we, you know, I think we live by that whole year. 
and we're critic, um, and we are harder on ourselves than we probably would be on others. So mm-hmm. I, I agree with that statement as an entrepreneur. And just really quickly, you, you talk about your children and, and having a kiddo coming in and asking for something. You know, I think it's we're seeing an evolution of business in general where people are working more often from home or trying to balance family and their careers or maybe uh, this, your partner, spouse, or whomever might work part-time, you might work part-time and you kind of juggle the kids or one works full-time or whatever that is. I think it's a great connection that we can have with our clients because they can see us in a more intimate or vulnerable state and really allow them to see that, yeah, we're human beings too. We have lives. We juggle. We multitask. Um, we have very similar issues or problems, like my four-year-old might come in my office when I'm on a conference call or a meeting with somebody working out of my home office. He's asking me what his blanket is, and this thing looks like a flipping you know rag that the the housekeeper might like you know wipe the toilets with or whatever. But I've got to find that thing because he wants it so bad and he can't find it. And it, I'm 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 shocked it hasn't disintegrated yet. But it's interesting because people do connect with you on another level and see like, oh yeah, I have the same issue at home. So I don't know. I it's it's definitely a you know topic of conversation and it helps sort of open things up for dialogue on other uh, levels with your clients. Mm. And it makes you human too. Um, mm-hmm. When I was working, you know, doing defense work in the ivory tower of this gorgeous law firm on the 21st floor overlooking the city you know uh, you know there was that air of um oh, oh you know prestige and that's not what i am i'm who you know i'm i'm a human being a person i don't need a front mm-hmm. correct right well lori lori you're for me you're really painting a face on legal nurse consultants and legal nurse consulting as a profession because it hasn't been something I honestly have understood as a nurse. And I'm so glad you've been on the show that Kevin brought you on because it's something that has been rather foreign to me. And I'm really, I'm so happy to have this human face to put on this this business that I haven't really had a good grasp of. So I really appreciate you painting this picture for us and helping us see a little bit more of the you know, the the subtleties of what your work is really about. Um, Thank you. And thank you for what you're doing by um, having different nurses in different capacities speaking to other nurses because it's all about community and and sharing our knowledge with each other. Mm -hmm. Right. That's true. That's true. And that's what we're trying to create here. So we really want to thank you for being on the show and we you know we may like to have you back sometime in the future when you have some new projects launched or you have a new book out or a new program so sometime in 2013 we could talk about having you back if there's something you'd like to talk about that we haven't touched on or that gets created between now and then would you like that no, I, i'd love it thank you so much well, anytime great. i can share my my information with nurses i'd love to Oh, great. And um, you now have two followers on Twitter. You have me and Kevin. So, <laughs> I, I Yep. Yep. I My followed. First. Yep. And yeah, definitely, Lori. So we have your contact information. You have ours. And anything new that's coming up or exciting, definitely hit us up and we'll certainly help you promote it and get it out there. 
great. I am going to have probably a live um, business mentoring uh, program in June of next year. That's my plan. Okay. Great. great. Well, we we so want to know more about it, and we'll we'll help you uh, during that launch as, right. as best okay. we can. All right, you can I write a post it. about it, and we'll we'll put it up on rnfmradio.com and get it out to all our followers. So, you know, by this time next year, we should have 5,000 followers on Twitter, right, Kevin? Exactly. Right. There you go. Okay. All well, right. Lori, thank you so much. We know you have children to tend to, and we want to thank you again for being on the show, and have a great night, and we'll be in touch. Thank you so much. Good okay. Night. Good night. Good night, Lori. All right. Wow, Kevin, that was a really great conversation. And I really sincerely didn't know anything about legal nurse consultants up until I started doing research for the show just this past week. So I'm really happy to know a little bit more about it because it's it's been sort of anathema to me. I didn't really know what LNCs were or what they did. Well, and and that's the beauty of it, Keith, you know, as we're broadening the show here and uh of course i realize that that Lori is an entrepreneur herself but but it's true i mean we are multifaceted and we juggle so many different things and and this is great having these guests on not only allow us to do the research and learn more about what they do and have them on the show but of course for our listeners as well so i mean I agree with you. Uh, I, too, learned more about legal nurse consulting this evening, and I thought the interesting piece for me, the takeaway, was I know there's a lot of um, play on the whole certification, the quote-unquote certification, and what really qualifies a certification. Is it really necessary? And so I'm glad Lori uh, was able to kind of elaborate further on that and really if that is it's actually necessary to be mm. quote-unquote certified. Right, right, exactly. So, yeah, it's interesting. It's it's not a, a career option I would personally look at right now. I feel like I have too much on my plate, but I can think of people I've known in the course of my career that I know who who could actually be very skilled at this. So it's something that's now on my radar where before it really wasn't on my radar at all. So um, right. thank you for bringing Lori on. I really appreciate it. Oh, definitely. And, you know, like I said before, Keith, it's, you know, as nurses, we trip into a lot of things. And, and that's where I did. I ended up tripping into it myself. And again, I don't market myself as that. I don't really, that's not really my business. Uh, but I can certainly help. And I can look at charts and tell you what's going on. Uh, I think for the most part, because I do that a lot anyway. So um, going for that certification, I mean, I'm a licensed nurse. So that's my license. That's my certification. Because uh, I, I I know what I'm looking at. I I see it. I've lived it. Um, so I can kind of give you that experience. Mm, but don't right. come to me for legal advice. Or you know I don't. I'm not a legal nurse consultant. But again, I I have helped out here. Right. And there. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, Kevin. Uh, aside from legal nurse consulting, uh, in going around Twitter today and looking at articles on nursing that are out on the internet right now, I came across a couple interesting articles I'd like to mention. So can I um please can I lob the first one out here and see what you yes. have to say? Yes, okay. you can. So on the blog of the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, which is blog.rwjf.org, they have an interesting article from July 18th, 2012, saying that the nurse practitioner workforce is expected to double between 2008 and 2025, according to a recent study that was published in the July issue of Medical Care. 
So they're saying that the, the NPs providing care will increase in number 130% from 86,000 back in 2008 to 198,000 in 2025. And I'm, I'm wondering what you would have to say about that in terms of, you know, the changes that are happening in healthcare, the um, Obamacare, as it's so-called, being passed and upheld by the Supreme Court. What do you what do you think about that? Well, I mean, I definitely think the growth uh, in that. And, and what was the percentage again? What was the the growth there? Oh man, it's a hundred and thirty percent. Amazing. Well, yeah. I I've always had an opinion about that because. I know, and I have friends that are physicians in primary care, and I, I know that there are quite a few uh, you know, medicine docs out there that are really kind of getting out of the game or you know, fewer and fewer med schools are churning out docs or these docs are going into such like niche, like subspecialty areas that we don't have enough primary care providers out there. And I think there is this big push for nurse practitioners to really find a place uh, in the primary care or general practitioner roles. Now, again, I'm not saying that we don't, we obviously do need specialty area coverage, women's health, cardiac, you know, uh, cardiac rehab, car, you know, cardiology or cardiac specialists. Um, but certainly I do see where there is going to be a huge deficit in acute care um, and I know that there are acute care uh, NP programs and acute care nurse practitioners. And then, of course, right. our, our general population and even in internal medicine and the more complex patients that we see where I know mm -hmm. there are a lot of internal medicine docs that are retiring and not getting filled. And so nurse practitioner mm -hmm. roles are, are coming into or nurse practitioners are kind of coming into those roles. That's so true. That's I work true. with several of them. Right. And interestingly, I'm, I'm doing an article on nurse educators right now for Working Nurse Magazine. I do interviews for them on pretty much on a monthly basis on different specialties in nursing. And right now I've been interviewing two different nurse educators, one who works in a master's program out at UCLA School of Nursing in California. And she pointed out to me that the certifying bodies for advanced practice nurses are now telling or I think they're actually demanding or regulating that nurse practitioner and advanced practice nurse programs can no longer be, um, what would you say, uh, specialty-based. You no longer go in and become a you know specialist in cardiology in your NP program. It's more population-based. So you become a family nurse practitioner, an adult nurse practitioner, a geriatric nurse practitioner, and then you, you specialize later. So because they're realizing they need to churn out more nurse practitioners who have more general knowledge than nurse practitioners who are simply specialists. Well, I've got two sides of that, uh, at least an opinion on, on both sides. One, and, and I realized they, they actually – and I can't remember one of the last programs that existed, but I met a couple of NNPs, neonatal nurse practitioners. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think there are any of those programs anymore. I don't think so, but don't quote me on that. Okay. I, I do think that we we do need some subspecialty area uh, or specialists out there. But I guess on the other side of that, I look at it as going to get your your foundation, your broad knowledge, in general uh -huh. practice and treating you know the specialty as more of your residency where yeah. you know 
docs come out and they decide, okay, I'm going to go in this specialty area, and then they spend extra time training in that area. Right. I mean, would, would I, you? I mean, do you see that? Yeah, I think that's sort of the 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 push here is for advanced practice nurses nurses to really have a very broad education and broad clinical experience, and then they choose their clinical specialty later on so that they can fill those gaps and fill those roles in primary care. Because, you know, we have to face that as the baby boomers continue to retire and age, and it's happening as we speak, it, that and that will only accelerate over the next, I don't know how many years they're saying, next 15 to 20 years as this mm-hmm. Um, this segment of the population ages, we need more general practice nurse practitioners who will take these patients on because there's so few doctors out there who are going into general practice. So right. it is very important in terms, it's really a public health issue if you really want to look at it that way. So. Well, it is. And I want to remain as apolitical as I can be here, but it was interesting because I was watching um, one of the headline news shows. I won't give them props or anything, but it was they had uh, three physicians on there, I believe, and they were kind of talking about the new healthcare reform. And a lot of these private practices, some of these smaller family practices were going to have to go out of business or merge or be absorbed by larger entities because, not necessarily just because of the, the new healthcare bill, but really because of Medicare and Medicaid, the billing process that occurs. And I don't really think that that's any simpler um for nurse practitioners per se, but right. I do see where the backfill is going to have to occur because a lot of these physicians are not taking or just they can't afford to take a lot of these patients. And so nurse practitioners are going to have to take over that role to, to help that, uh, you know, the Medicare and Medicaid uh, insurance. Uh, That's right. You know, That's right. So. You won't find me in graduate school to become a nurse practitioner. I already tried that and um, failed miserably. Not failed with an F, but failed in terms of my desire to continue with that process. Right. But I know there are a lot of nurses out there who really would like to do this. So all the power to them because their, their jobs are going to be there. It's just going to take a little time, but but it'll definitely be there. So we're encouraging nurses to go for it if they really want to. If they really want to do it. So, right. Well, you got my support. Um, I'm just supporting you here on the sidelines from the studio. Oh, but but I'm but I'm cheerleading you on. Go for it. That's right. That's right. So it's um gosh, it is eight fifteen Mountain Time. So we're we're getting towards the end of our show. And there were some other articles I could mention, but I think we'll save them for next time. If you want, um, that's fine. Well, yeah, I think we can we can wrap it up for tonight. But um, next week is July thirtieth. And we'll have Dr. Mary Foley of Safe in Common, and she'll be talking about needle sticks and needle stick injury prevention, which I think is a very salient issue that we can talk about with nurses and healthcare providers. The week after, we have Jerome Stone, author of Minding the Bedside, and Jerome has a really fascinating take on meditation, mindfulness, and how to bring that mindful mindful energy into your nursing practice. And Kevin, I hope you have lunch with Jerome tomorrow and a very mindful lunch at that. Exactly. Well, Jerome called me while I was on vacay and then he emailed me, but I I reached out to him again. So hopefully he and I will be meeting up at some point this week. So Jerome, I look forward to it. 
Right. And just make sure you eat mindfully, Kevin, and, you know, use your napkin well and that sort of thing. So I, I will represent and be uh, a good representative of our brand at, here at right. RNFM Radio, of course. And, you know, and if you want to get a jump on this lunch with Jerome, remember mindful eating is about putting your fork down in between bites and, you know, chewing 70 or 80 times each bite. So, you know, just a little friendly advice for you there. Oh, good grief. Now I'm going to be thinking about all these things. Jerome, <laughs> oh, I tell you, it's it'll be an interesting meeting. <laughs> I'm sorry. And then uh, on August 13th, we have a surprise guest who I don't even think the guest knows that he or she will be on yet. And August 20th, we'll have Sue Bach, who's a nurse who specializes in coaching women with breast cancer. So we're very excited to have Sue on the show on August 20th. And there are more guests coming in late August and September. And we even have one scheduled for October now. So things are really filling up there. So yes, it things is. are moving along, and the guests just keep coming. So we're very excited. Well, we have to thank both not only just our guests but also our listeners uh, because yeah. the show is continuing to grow, and we really do appreciate you. And I promise you, Keith, on the air here, uh, we will continue to grow rnfmradio.com, which is our site that we post articles, blog posts from uh, our not only our listeners. It's, it's certainly we're welcome, we welcome uh, any of you out there to submit posts to us, but yes, but also do. our guests as well, who have either been on or will be on soon on the show. Right. And we may even have some guest bloggers on that blog, rnfmradio.com, who haven't even been on the show and may not want to be on the show. So we may have some guest writers on there that are just offering us uh, content for our blog. So that's another uh, stream of information and, and edification for all of our listeners and readers. Exactly. It's just we're right. trying to build a strong community for you, a, a platform for you. I mean, it's great you're creating content for our site, but it, it's we are promoting you, and we want to continue to do so. And that's why we have the show here and, of course, the blog. That's right. And I want to point out that Kevin and I are both on Facebook. Kevin is at facebook.com slash innovative nurse, and I am at facebook.com slash nursekeithcoaching. And, of course, Kevin is at InnovativeNurse.com, and I'm at NurseKeith.com. We're both on Twitter. Kevin is at InnovativeNurse, and I am at NurseKeith. So you can find us there. And, Kevin, can I do one plug for my webinar series? May I take a moment? Keith, please plug whatever you need to plug because, again, oh. it's about you. Thank you. Thank you. So, anyway, I will let you all know. As I've mentioned several times before, I believe that I'm doing a 12-month webinar series on self-care for nurses under the auspices of coursepark.com and the nursesnetwork.com. The first session happened about a week and a half ago. It was very successful. We had about 150 people registered for the call, and it's a webinar where I talk about different aspects of self-care and burnout prevention and burnout recovery for nurses. So session one was basically an overview of what I'll be covering over the year, and it actually was a very interesting um, piece of information that you might want to listen to. Uh, there'll be little tidbits in there and little hints of what's to come and some questions that I uh, fielded from some of the listeners. So the best way to find it would be to go to uh, facebook.com slash Coaching and look at the post about my Course Park webinar. You can also go to... Facebook.com slash rn.fmradio, and you'll find the information there. Or go to coursepark.com 
under community events. Um, my next one is coming up in August, and if you'd like to ask me any questions about that, you can contact me through nursekeith.com and the Contact Me button. And every month will be a new subject about self-care. In August, I'll be covering balance, the issue of work-life balance for nurses, and it'll be a one-hour webinar basically just on the issue of balance. And that one will be free as well. The subsequent webinars will be, I believe, $5.99 each, and then we'll have them packaged as well for you to download at a very reasonable cost. So that's the little lowdown. You can contact me at nursekeep.com about it, and I'm very excited to bring this information to hundreds and maybe thousands of nurses. So that's it. I'm excited for you, Keith. And all of you listeners out there should be excited for him and yourself as well. You need to listen in. This man has – he's got – what you need to know. Um, and and I just you're welcome, sir. And of course, I just wanted to thank everybody out there. Uh, as as innovativenurse.com, innovative nurse is growing. I, I I really appreciate the outpouring of people emailing me and reaching out directly uh, to provide guest posts out there. I actually have quite a few readers of the site who aren't even healthcare providers, but they have content that is somewhat relevant or directly you know related to either nursing, healthcare or some issue that we're working with whether it's in our clinical practices, our businesses or what have you. And so I really appreciate the outpouring of the uh you know the guest bloggers and and the community there and it's really nice to see that 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 innovative nurse is growing because Innovative Nurse is not just me. It's actually all of us out there who are innovating and uh, breaking the mold and busting outside of the box to do nursing in another, you know, a different capacity in a different way. So I really appreciate that. And thank you so much for everyone uh, reaching out and helping to grow. Yeah, it's a great website. I really recommend Innovative Nurse and Kevin's tweet as well at Innovative Nurse on Twitter. So, Kevin, you're putting out great content and, um, I love following you. So there you go. Thanks, sir. Well, I guess we should thank everyone for listening in with us this evening or whatever evening or time of day, whether it be, uh, you know, archived on iTunes or Blog Talk Radio. We really appreciate you. And uh, we look forward to our next show. That's right. Thanks, everyone, for listening in. And we'll see you next week. All right. Good night, everybody. Good night.